How might we improve the teaching of writing by identifying as writers ourselves? Today on the show, I speak with Jen Lafine, founder of TeachWrite. I'm your host, Celeste Kirsch, and we are teaching tomorrow. If there's one thing that I know to be true, it is that identifying as a writer has profoundly shaped how I teach writing. I love writing, I embrace the struggle, and I've always shared that process with my students. But stepping out of the classroom this year and looking more broadly at writing instruction through this PhD research is showing me that this teacher as writer stance is not commonly held. It's no great wonder that the Instagram algorithm led me to find Jen Lafine and teach write. Jen was a classroom teacher for nine years and transitioned into mentoring teachers and designing workshops to help teachers create powerful writing practices for young people. This conversation is essentially two writing nerds geeking out together about something we both love. I didn't know Jen before this interview, but as we chatted and laughed and shared stories, I felt like Jen was a longtime friend, teacher buddy, and someone that I just wanted to hang out with and write with. I'm pretty confident that after listening along, you'll feel the same way. And don't worry, at the end of the conversation, Jen shares some ways that you can indeed just hang out and write more with her. Enough from me. Let's get into it with Jen Lafine. I am so excited about this conversation. Can you begin by introducing yourself? Tell everyone who you are, where you live, and what you do. Well, thank you so much for having me, Celeste. I am Jen Lafine. I am the founder of TeachWrite, uh, which is a, um, well, there's your ums. <laughs> we, help te- we help teachers and students grow as writers by supporting the teacher writer. And I started this business in 2017. I used to be an elementary school teacher. I taught fourth and fifth grade for nine years and left the classroom because I felt really called to spread my messaging about teaching writing, which I'm sure we'll be talking about here shortly, um, far and wide. And it's just been thrilling work for me. So I live in southeastern Wisconsin uh, with my husband and my dog. Uh, and we are empty nesters. We have uh, kids away at college. Oof. So I want to know all about yeah. what it feels like to be an empty nester because I'm the opposite of an empty nester right now. I am a very full on nester. So I will talk more about what that feels like later. But I want to jump right okay. into your work and tell everyone why is it important for people who teach writing to actually write themselves? That is a great question. And that is the foundation of pretty much all the work that I do. When we when we teach writing, I, I am a true believer that when we teach writing, if we are not writers ourselves, our students really struggle with authentic writing. And I think that's one of the things that's missing from a lot of the classrooms these days, because there's a strong reliance on um, using prepackaged programs. And that, in my opinion, doesn't necessarily serve the student writer. And as a result, we have students that are leaving school with a dislike of writing, and that follows them for their whole entire life. And writing is just too important 
for that to happen. So when teachers are writers and they're teaching writing, they get it. They get what the, they get what writing is all about. They get the struggle. They get the starts and stops. They get that the writing process is not linear. It kind of bounces all over the place. You know, we've all had those cute little posters in our classroom that showed like we start with pre-writing and then we draft and then we edit and revise and publish. Like it doesn't work like that. <laughs> it really doesn't. It's like, no. It doesn't. And if you don't, um, if you don't write yourself, you don't know that. When I first started teaching, I knew nothing about teaching writing. And I had that poster. And not only did I have the poster, I had little clothesline clips for my students with their names on them and had them move their clip to tell me what stage of the writing process they were on. And I was like, I thought that was genius. And now that I know so much more, I'm like, that was ridiculous because that's not at all how it happened. Well, they'd be moving their clothespin so is... around every seven minutes. Be like, well, now I'm at this stage, but now I'm over here and now I'm there. Like it would just be a constant moving of that pin everywhere. Well, actually it wasn't because what happened was they came to think and believe that that is writing, moving linearly through the process. So they didn't think they could go back and revise after they had already done editing or go back and do the planning stage after they had already started drafting. They came to believe that it did go from one step into the next. And that's not at all how it happened. So I was very misleading in doing that that activity with them. So I, it actually would have been better if they would have been up every five seconds moving their clip around. At least I would have known that they totally understood the writing process and how messy that it is. Mm. It's hard to be a teacher writer, though, with all of the demands that teachers have in their lives right now. Like, I love writing. I wrote before I became a teacher, and my writing practice really suffered when I became a teacher. A lot of things suffered when I was in the classroom. Mm -hmm. You actually embraced it, and you actually were writing children's novels, not novels, but a children's book while you were in the classroom with your students, and you used that as a way to like actually yes. talk about the process. I loved listening to you talk about that. How yes. did you find the space and the time to be teaching and writing? Like, how did you do that? Sure. Well, that's a really interesting question because um, a lot of teachers that I talk to want to write, but they say, I don't have time. And my response is, we all have the same 24 hours in the day. It's how we're choosing to use it. And to me, writing became a priority. It became a creative outlet. It was self-nurturing, self-care time for me. So making time for that, sure, meant that maybe I wasn't on Facebook or maybe I wasn't, you know, um, reading, you know, for hours or whatever that I wanted to do every day. But it became a priority for me. And once I saw the connection that it had to my practice, to my teaching practice, I really made more time for it because my students started to notice that um, my instruction was improving. They became more engaged in the writing process. They actually partnered with me in giving me feedback on that book that I was writing, which was fantastic. Um, and it just changed the whole culture of writing in our classroom. And to me, that was so cool. It was just so energizing where writing became like a preferred activity in the classroom instead of like, oh, 
where you have to do writing again? Like, really? So it was really fun. Let's talk a little bit about those early days for you as a teacher of writing. You said just earlier that you didn't know what you were doing when you stepped into the classroom. And as I've been like reading the research on teaching writing, that is very true for many teachers that many folks, when Mm -hmm. they step into the classroom, they don't actually know what they're doing. And so probably, you know, gravitate more towards those prepackaged programs because everything's there or they don't have to reinvent the wheel or they're not certain what to do. And this provides them with some element of certainty. What do you think teacher preparation programs can actually be doing to help writing teachers start their profession? Like if you had your magic wand and could influence policy in teacher colleges, what would you suggest? Well, first of all, I would make a writing workshop a mandatory part of teacher prep program. I would require every teacher to read Ralph Fletcher's The Writing Workshop because that is truly like the text that literally changed my teaching life um, in a weekend. I read that book over a weekend and I went in on Monday and I'm like, holy cow, like I'm so excited to teach writing today. Um, The problem is, is that I think, and I did just have this conversation with a former professor of mine last week, ironically, we were talking about this very topic about teachers and writing and why writing scores are in the toilet and we don't know how to fix them. And I asked her, she's a um, she's in the teacher education program, but she teaches literacy, uh, beginning literacy. And I said, so how do you teach your students, your student teachers, how to teach writing? And she's like, well, I teach the stages of writing. And I'm like, well, can you tell me more about that? She's like, well, yeah, like pre-writing. And she went through all the different stages. And I'm like, so do you actually have them write? Well, no. Do you have them do conferences? Well, no. And I know she's not alone. And I know that this is a problem everywhere. For a while, I was a student teacher supervisor. And so I got to also see how it was just the miss, it's a missing component. And unless we start teaching teachers how to teach writing through actually having them experience writing, writing instruction is never going to be what it could be. And as far as the prepackaged programs, yes, I, I, like, I totally agree with what you're saying. They want like a pull it off the shelf, I can teach it today kind of thing. However, the, you're like missing the, that text to self connection. When you're reading that curriculum, you're just kind of like delivering it. You're just delivering that instruction instead of being able to say, oh, I have a student that I that I think that this will work for, or I have another student who I know this is never going to work for, so I need to differentiate. We can't differentiate when we're using boxed programs, whereas we can when we are um, teacher writers and when we're bringing that practice into the classroom. Because you're right, like teaching writing it is hard to put that into a curriculum. It is hard unless you know from your own experience what your students need. And it's, you want to talk about differentiation. Holy moly. Like it is all over the place um, for your students. So, And if you're 
you know, working with a true writer's workshop approach, it's not just like, these are the five different groups that I've differentiated. It's like, I have 29 students in my classroom and I have 29 different writing programs because each Mm -hmm. child comes into that room with different skills, different interests, different needs, and you tailor it to each of those people. Can we back up though? Because I realize, you know, you've mentioned writing workshop through Ralph Fletcher. My background, I was obsessed with Nancy Atwell and her writing workshop approach. Give us a primer on what we're talking about when we say writing workshop. Like someone who is not aware of what this is or like, I don't know what you're talking about. Give us a little primer on that. So writing workshop, the way that I have come to understand it, is a time in the classroom every day where students have a lot of choice in their writing. Um, It begins with a mini lesson where you teach something to the class, and then they go off and work on their own writing and apply that to their, apply the mini lesson to their own writing practice. The best part of a writing workshop are the writing conferences that you can have with your student writers. Because when you are, when you are a teacher who writes, you conference with your students writer to writer, not teacher to writer. So when you're sitting beside a student who's struggling with something, you can say to them, This happened to me in my writing too, and here's what worked for me. Maybe this will work for you too. And it really brings you like onto the same level with your students where they truly are able to learn from you and through you. It's fascinating. Um, So that's kind of like, that would be the gist. I'm sure there's a lot more, a lot more rules and and things about that. (laughs) No, that gives a perfect snapshot of like what it looks like and a you know, general cycle. And that idea of like sitting next to a student, I, I like, I am aware that you actually positioned a teacher as like sitting beside them, but there's something about that yes. physicality, that metaphor of get, being on the same level as a child. And, you know, whereas when you're conferencing yes. about a math concept, there is a right answer there is a right pathway as teachers are conferencing with their students they're grappling with it like oh maybe hmm if we want to get this emotional reaction from our reader maybe we should try this and there's no easy one way to do it that's the beautiful thing about sitting beside you're you're working through the problem with the child exactly and I think the thing that I love the most is that when you're talking writer to writer with your student you normalize the struggle. You normalize the, the you know, when students are having a difficult time and they're like really struggling with what to do next, you can say to them, the same thing happens to me. And here's how I get past it. And in doing that, you teach the student that struggle is normal when you're writing. It's not a sign that you're doing something wrong. It's not a sign that you're a bad writer. It's not a sign that what you're writing is, you know, is going to be terrible. It's like, yeah, writing is hard, but it's okay. We can do hard things. Let's try something. And if it doesn't work, that's why we have an eraser on our pencil. And we can, you know, we can try something again. But again, Standing in front of a class and teaching from a boxed curriculum may just, you miss that. Like you miss that the struggle is normal. And it distances the teacher from the actual practice. It distances the teacher from the process. Like you have some great stuff. Everyone should follow you on Instagram, by the way, because you have these wonderful little quotes and sayings. And, you know, one of them was... 
you wouldn't learn swimming from somebody standing at the edge of the pool. Like you wouldn't want to learn yes. to fly if your, you know, pilot teacher was sitting on the ground. Like you have to yes. get into it with your students. And you know, like right. this probably also applies to science learning. Like, of course this applies to physical education, but I think with writing, there seems to be a disconnect. There seems to be a disconnect between teachers teaching and teachers practicing. Right. And I, and I, I wonder about that a lot. And I wonder if part of it is teachers are bringing their own, um, writing histories into with them into the classroom, how they never learned to enjoy writing and love writing, um, and have a writing practice so that when they get to the classroom, they're like, Oh, like they're still back in the class, you know, in their classroom, they're still getting papers back with a lot of red ink on them. Um, because when we, when we write, we're putting ourselves into our writing. And when we get, you know, feedback that's not supportive or that's not moving us forward, we kind of take that personally. And as a, as a ding on our own character and ability, and it's very personal, and you understand that better when you're a writer yourself. So, but I did want to I did want to go back if you don't mind real quick here. I want to go back and I want to talk about address the idea of conferring with students. And because I know a lot of teachers say, "Well, I don't have time. I have 29 students. How am I going to talk to everyone?" Okay, and I had a couple couple suggestions for that that I just wanted to share. One is that I always started my writing workshop with the status of the class, meaning I would have my roster and I would either go around and talk to each student and say, tell me what you're working on today. Um, or I would say, like, do you need a conference? And they would say, like, I need to talk to you today. Okay, so I knew where every student was. So if managing that independent writing time is something that worries you, Doing a status of a class is a great way because if, you know, one of your students is saying like, oh, I'm going to be drafting that paragraph, you know, today, you could say, well, you've been drafting that same paragraph now for three days. What's going on? Let's get into a conference and find out. So that's a great, a great way to do it. The other thing is to keep in mind that your writing conference with your students doesn't have to be long. It can be a two minute check in. Okay, but it, it, those two minutes, you can get a lot done. And you don't have to talk to every student every day. I mean, if you're doing status of the class and they, you know, you have a good feel for where everybody's at. And then when you're doing that, it also gives you guidance for your mini lessons. Because you can say, I notice a lot of you are having problems with topic sentences. Let's review that. Now I want you to practice that today. Um, a really great book, if you're nervous about doing writing conferences, a really, really awesome book is Patty McGee's Feedback That Moves the Writer Forward. Because that book just really gives you awesome tools to put in your toolbox about how to do a writing conference with students in ways that really do move them forward. Gives you ideas of things to talk about. Um, Patty's wonderful. She's got great, great ideas. So I, I definitely recommend that text. I will put it in the show notes so people can find it. But those, the reality of finding systems that work are so important. And like, and in a way, you only really 
can figure that out by going through and doing it. Like with our classroom, we were a one-to-one school. So all my students had a computer and I was able Mm -hmm. to do things like have Pear Deck open. So on like a Pear Deck slide, my students were able just to type in where they were. So rather than taking the time to like go around and talk to each individual, which can take like, you know, like seven minutes, depending on how -hmm. efficient you are, I could see in like a one minute scan where everyone was based on what they typed Mm -hmm. into the box. And then tools like, I like it. I used Kaizena, but there's other tools that you can use that you can just give quick audio feedback onto students' drafts. If you're like, these five students really want a conference with me. I didn't get a chance to see them today. You can easily like pop into whatever doc they're working on and put like a one minute, oh, this is great. You're working on this. Consider Mm -hmm. this. It's not the same as sitting next to a child and talking to them, but it gives them something to move forward. So that, right. that block of, I don't have time to do it, there are tools that we have access to in many classrooms that can help us make it a little bit more efficient time-wise. And Right. Yeah. Because we definitely want to work smarter, not harder. Right? We don't want to be up all night giving every student feedback. That's not helpful to you and it's not helpful to them. And it stops um, you from doing, you know, your own writing practice when you're just sitting and reading exactly. students' writing. Yeah. And students don't need 10 minutes of feedback. They need one actionable thing that they can do. Like, don't overwhelm them, giving them a laundry list of things to fix. You need to pick one thing. And these are things that you learn when you are a writer yourself, because that's how you move yourself forward. Can you say that one more time, especially for all of the high school teachers that are reading essays and like giving long detailed feedback? Say that one more time for everybody. Definitely. Like Kelly Gallagher talks about if you can grade everything that your students are writing, you're not assigning enough writing. And Kelly is a high school teacher, right? So you don't have to grade everything. Sometimes you just give it a quick glance and it's a check. You That's that makes those writing conferences even more important because that is an assessment for you as well. But yeah, you don't have to grade everything your students write. And if you're doing feedback well in a writing workshop, by the time students are actually like finished a piece of writing, they've gotten so much feedback from you already in different forms that at that stage, you don't need to be giving them a page of notes. Like hopefully at that stage, it's conferring and celebrating and being like, you did this, this and this. Hooray. And like, you. how is that helpful? Yeah, exactly. The the writing (laughs) hopefully at that stage is done. They don't need to know all the things that they did wrong at that point. That is how we kill the love of writing. Yes, yes. Right? Is by pointing out all the things that did wrong. Usually, number one, that starts with grammar. I can't tell you how many teacher writers I talk to who are like, yeah, I'm a terrible speller. Who cares? Your notebook does not care. Your computer will self-correct. Like, it's the ideas that we're after and teaching students how to put those ideas together that, again having your own writing practice is a fantastic way if you are if you can practice that metacognition of oh so this is how it works for me now how can i teach my students that you know even better so yeah let's circle back to that idea of grammar because i know that a lot of other writing teachers it's the most obvious thing when like a adult writer is reading a student's work to be like, oh, it's the different form of there, or oh, there's a run-on sentence, and to focus on that as the point of feedback. How, when you were in the classroom, or what kind of guidance do you give teachers around 
spelling and grammar and integrating that with a rich writing program? Well, I think um, there are lots of resources out there that talk about that specifically. With me, when I was in the classroom, I would point out a spelling error or whatever, like one time. And then I put the responsibility on the student to find, find it from there on out. Instead of being like, oh, you spelled there wrong again. Oh, you spelled there wrong again. Um, because students need to learn like to be self-sufficient in that area. I never really got a um, got really hung up on spelling and grammar and punctuation in drafting. The, the place that I did pay attention to it more was in published works because when you publish a piece of writing, you're writing for an audience. And if your message is not clear because you have a run-on sentence that goes on for pages, um, it's really hard for for your audience to really get the message behind your writing because they're so distracted by the spelling errors or the run-on sentences. One of, one, something I used to do with my students is if they uh, had run-on sentences, I would say, all right, I'm going to read this out loud to you. And remember, we can only take a breath. We can only pause when we have a period. And I would just start reading. And then they would like look at me and they'd be like, all right, I got it. And they would walk away and go fix the run on. But like my advice is don't freak out about that kind of stuff. Have them let have them learn the importance of their audience. And when it's time to present to the audience, then we want it to be polished. Otherwise, our brains can't necessarily process all the different parts of writing. Like writing is ideas and it's conventions and it's organization and it's so many little pieces that have to work together that it's really hard in young writers to get all of those things firing at the same time. So let's take them one at a time. Let's layer them and show students how to go back and correct for those things, how to revise for those things. But when it makes sense to, like if it's a, you know, response that they're Mm -hmm. just doing for you as the teacher, maybe it doesn't matter. Like there's so many pieces Mm -hmm. that I just stopped marking spelling and grammar for. Because I'm like, if I've never taught you this rule about commas, why would I mark you on it? Like there's no Mm -hmm. sense in making this part of the learning mark if I just haven't included that in my program. So I, I like Absolutely. paired back drastically the importance of spelling and grammar. And I think that my students writing got way better because of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, something else I would do to just start building that metacognition is if students were spelling a word and they were like, eh, I'm not sure if I spelled this right. I would just tell them, circle it and move on. Like put a circle around it so you know, like, I'm not sure if this is right, but I don't want it to kill your ideas and I don't want it to kill your flow. Like, just keep going. We can fix it later. That's so important. Tell us about some of the workshops and support that you offer to teachers now. Excellent. All right. So my main workshop is called Time to Write. It is a workshop that's offered several times during the week. And basically what it is, we meet on Zoom um, and we come together and we write, we set goals, we chat, we write together. There's usually about an hour of like co-writing time, like our Zoom cameras are on, but our microphones are muted. 
and then we celebrate what we did and we set goals for the next time. It's wonderful for community. It's great for accountability. Plus for a lot of my participants, it's that time for themselves. Like they're so used to being on Zoom where they have to be on, right? And being able to be in the Time to Write workshop, it's focusing on you. It's focusing on what you need. And when my teacher writers come together and we are writing together, I have people working on anything from journaling to writing a dissertation. Like it runs the gamut of what people are working on. And you know what? Some people are just there doodling in their notebook and that's totally fine too. It's, there's lots of different ways to write. Um, and it's just making that a priority for ourselves and saying, I'm going to be a part of this community that gets what it's like to be in the classroom, that gets what it's like to teach writing and nurture each other as teacher writers. Mm. What do you get from doing that workshop? Like you're probably writing as well, but what do you as a facilitator and also a teacher writer get from being in that space? I love seeing the community. Mm. Um, That has been amazing to me because I know when I first started time to write, I only had two sessions a week and I actually started time to write before zoom was really a thing. Like if we can remember a time no. before zoom was like, you know, part of our main vocabulary, I don't know what that is. um, but then exactly, but then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden people are at home and I started offering the workshop. I grew to offering it five days a week. And what we found was that that was such a lifeline for the people who were coming because we were living in this state of chaos, yet they were able to center themselves through writing. And I had people from all over the world in the workshop, Italy, um, Switzerland, Colombia, Canada, like we were from all over the place. And just having that connection with each other was just truly truly powerful. And so I just, I still get such a kick out of watching those connections that people make, um, with each other and, and with writing and the sharing of ideas and the sharing of inspiration and encouragement that they give each other. You know, it is honestly, it is the nicest group of people I've ever met in my life. And I've been a part of a few writing groups where I had to pretend to get sick in the middle of them so that I could leave because they were so horrible. I'm like, it'll never be like that in anything I run. So (laughs) it makes such a difference when you have a community around you. And this is also something that I've read in the research that students need that community. And we kind of like as teachers instinctively know that to create a community, it's safe to write. But adults need that too. And we don't often find that community in our own schools. We don't often find those like people that just want to nerd out on writing and explore our practices through that means. So I love that you are creating that space for other people to find their, their tribe, their writing tribe. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes, it's, that's exactly why I started this group because I had tried to start writing groups in other places that just didn't work and this was something that was needed in the world Mm -hmm. and I went forward with it and it's you know if you build it they will come kind of thing and it's it's been very fascinating it's been exciting 
I, I mean, just even thinking about like teacher preparation programs, it would just be such a cool thing to have something like that, like a weekly evening writing community circle for people who are about to enter the profession. Like, you know, we were talking about going through the workshop approach in, you know, a methods course for teaching literacy, mm -hmm. but just to have your own community of people, like if that was a requirement to say, find a community of writers, like it doesn't have to be on Zoom, it can be people in your neighborhood, but that is how you become a good teacher of writing, by just mm -hmm. finding your fellow writing people and talking through your own practice. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too about being a part of community is when you feel like you belong in a community, you show up. Mm. When you show up, you're spending time writing. When you're spending time writing, you're also growing as a writing teacher. So your students are still benefiting from you showing up to your writing group. And you identify as a writer. That's the other cool part is that Absolutely. when you say, I'm a runner, you become a better runner. When you say, you know, I am a writer, you become a better writer. Whatever these roles are, Absolutely. you embody them. And then you just start thinking about things differently. It's amazing the number of people that don't call themselves a writer, even though teachers nope. write so much. We write report cards, we write IEPs, we write these long yes. emails to parents, like these very thought through, carefully deliberated emails to parents that is writing that is a form of writing absolutely and that is one of the things that we've talked a lot about in time to write is if you write you are a writer you don't have to publish a book okay you don't have to be published to be considered a writer if you pick up a pen and you put words on the paper you can be a writer you can call yourself a writer and you're absolutely right like there's so much empowerment in in like owning that title that really is a game changer. And so the, the thing that I also encourage is for teachers is do your students call themselves writers? So, you know, that can be as simple as, okay, writers, I need your attention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then teaching a mini lesson. Yeah. Right. Owning that title. So, and yeah, like even just giving that title to your students. Like we all know those students in our classrooms that struggle and just be like, oh yeah, Jeremy, you're a writer. Like, look at this. You just, this is, totally. you are a writer. And like when you own that identity for the child in a positive way, they, they take that on. And like, I can actually see those children in my classroom that have change their whole demeanor in their bodies when they've started to take on a more positive identity for themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, when I end time to write, when our writing time is over and we're going to come back together and share celebration from our writing time, I um, turn my microphone back on and I'm like, okay, writers. That's how I bring everybody back. Yes. And these are adults. Yes. I'm like, okay, writers. And they know they're like that. That's like, you know, that's they me. Love it. Yeah. She's talking to me. I'm a, I'm a writer. But like, I'm sure that actually, you know, like we're being kind of cheeky about it, but I'm sure that actually on some level, that is what happens. Like that is how that identity gets formed. And then like, that's just a drop in the bucket. And the more and more that they chip away at that, it just turns them into a different version. Yes. <sighs> yes, absolutely. If we were going to distill it down, Jen, to like, I don't know, this is probably really unhelpful, but three key ingredients that make up a powerful writing program in any classroom, what would you say would be like the three or four cornerstones that every classroom with 
authentic writing, powerful writing would have? Okay, so I would say first, choice. Students need to have lots of choice in what they're writing and how they're writing it even in where they're writing. I always made sure that during writing workshop, my students could sit anywhere in the classroom because I think about myself as a writer. There's times I want to sit at my desk. There's times I sit in my chair. There's times I sit on the sofa or at the kitchen table. Like, you know, it all goes together. So I would say definitely choice. I would say frequency. To have a regular writing time is important. And... I've heard of a lot of uh, teachers who are like, well, we ran out of time today. We skipped writing. Like, don't let writing be the thing that you skip. Okay. Even if it's five minutes, perfect. Um, I would say lots of low stakes writing. Because like I said before, not everything needs to be graded. Okay, so lots of low stakes writing. Just jot me an index card, your ticket out the door kind of thing is great. So the fourth thing would be using writing as a tool for finding out what you think. So bring writing into your content areas. Have students write about what they understand about, you know, math or where they're struggling with math or why they don't understand this or what they think they could teach to others. There are so many different ways to incorporate writing into the content areas, and it is a tremendous tool for students to be able to determine what they think because there's just so much research about the importance of writing by hand and how that just the slowing down of doing that allows us to go deeper into our consciousness and find the questions that we have and discover the answers. So like even before, like when I would have a social studies test, I would say, tell me everything you, you're you confused about. Write it down. And so often as students were writing, they were also coming up with answers. So that's, that's very, another great use for writing. I thought that would be really hard, but you actually answered that in such a perfect way. Like I would like to put that out on like a poster on my wall and look at all those things <laughs> that you've just named. This brings us to our ticket out the door, which are silly questions right. that will, you know, close off our interview and get to know who Jen is as a person outside of as a writer person as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's do this. Let's do it. Something you are grateful for right now. Something I am grateful for right now would be my health because so far I've managed to avoid COVID. So knock on wood now that I put it out there. So my continued good health. I love that. We'll say that. First thing you do when you wake up in the morning. I get coffee and then I sit down and I journal. The last thing you do before you go to bed. Turn on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I fall yep. asleep in front of the TV every night. What was the most recent TV show you binged and loved while you were awake? While I was awake, <laughs> the last show I binged. Oh, I'm watching the morning show right Ooh, now. Oh, amazing. I'm a little bit behind the times. But Are yeah, you season one or season show. two? I think it's season two. Okay. Like, because COVID is starting. Have you... Yes, 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 yes. COVID yes, yes. is starting. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I just watched season or the first episode of season two. Very, very into okay. it. Okay, well, keep going. Okay, it gets good. Keep going. Okay. Yeah. Pie or cake? 
pie all the way. <laughs> You're the only person that has ever answered that so emphatically. Everyone else has had to like really think about it. That is my favorite answer. That's so funny because my son's birthday is five days before mine. So when we get together with family to celebrate, my mom is like, I'll bring the cake. And I'm like, but wait a minute. It's my birthday too. Like, what cake? Bring the pie. pie. What kind so of So she does. Pie? She walks in with a birthday cake and a pie. Oh, my God. oh banana cream all the way. Oh, I love totally. this. Oh, so good. Beach yeah. or mountains? Mm, cabin in the mountains. Mm. Spring or fall? Fall. Tacos? Love the colors. Tacos or nachos? Mm. That one's a tough one. I would say nachos. Mm. You are starting a podcast. Who would be your first three dream guests? Oh, my first three dream guests. Let's see. This is a tough one. I know. I love it too because then tells me who I should have on my show next. <laughs> um, I'm not even sure if I would know how to answer this because I've got so many people I would like to talk to. Yeah, it's hard to pick three. It can be like super celebrity people. Like you're you're a big deal, Jen. You can have your own big ass podcast with like Barack Obama on it. Or it can be like oh, yeah. your mom. It can be, you know, people who are really close to you. <gasps> okay, well, yes. <laughs> I would like to talk to my mom yeah. on my podcast yeah. because she just started a journaling habit. Oh, yay. And it's just so fun to watch her. So I would love love to to talk with her about that. I would also like to talk to Oprah because I think she's just so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just lived such a tremendous life. I'd love to ask her some questions about that. Mm-hmm. And then I think my last person would be uh, my friend Leanne, who's in Time to Write. And she's one of my Teach Write advisors because she's just a powerhouse of ideas and support. She's just like a really good, good person. So I would love to to interview her. I would love to listen to that podcast. So we should make that happen for you. All right. The last question that I ask everybody at the end of the show is a big one. So come at it, whatever angle you want. What is the future of learning? Hmm. Don't put that in there. (laughs) Um, I think the future of learning is student-centered, almost like a individualized learning plan for every student. Mm -hmm. Because I think we've got such a wide variety of student talents that are being left untapped that if we can figure out a way to manage it, I think it would be fascinating to have each student working at their level, at their at their speed, and on passion projects. Because if we don't have more creativity in education, we're gonna be in trouble someday. So I would mm-hmm. say really just encouraging students to pursue those passions and and supporting them along the way. Jen, this has been such a fun almost hour. Like I just, my heart feels full. I feel energized. I feel like I do after I've written something really powerful. So I just want to thank you for being here and taking the time and talking today. Well, thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. 
If you are feeling inspired to pick up a pen and nurture your own writing practice, I strongly encourage you to check out Jen and Teach Write. You can find her on Instagram at teachwriteedu or through her website, teachwrite.org. While you're on the socials, be sure to give at teaching underscore tomorrow a follow to stay on top of all the behind the scenes for the podcast. I'm posting quizzes, audience questions, sharing silly reels, giving you the backstory on the episodes, and extending the conversation beyond what you're listening to today. Come on over, say hi, and let's be internet friends. That's all the time we have for today, folks. Remember to get in the water with your students. And as always, we are teaching tomorrow.